funny, R2. Are you okay, Master? Yeah. What'd I miss? Oh, not much. Wait, wait a minute. Wasn't I flying? Where's my fighter? How did I get here? Fighter crashed. I saved the day. You're welcome. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Uto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode, Anakin and Ahsoka are in a battle against the Separatists when they receive a message from Yoda that the Jedi Temple has been bombed. During their investigation, they find the saboteur. Was she the only one, or is there someone more sinister involved in this deadly plot? Hey, Tubes, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship, a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He is the Anakin to my Ahsoka. It's a trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? And we are going to talk about the 105th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Charles Murray, directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. It's Season 5, Episode 17, Sabotage. So, Robbie, let's roll out with you letting us know what you remembered about Sabotage before you rewatched it again this week. Well, this is CSI Jedi Temple. <laughs> yeah. Or Je- a special Jedi unit. You know, it's kind of like you remember bits and pieces of certain things, you know, especially when there's not, you know, 42 people in the, the cast dying in the episode. Right. You can look at this as almost like an, just another episode, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, I like a well-done sort of police procedural. I like looking at the way that they find who the criminals are and all that kind of... I, I like it. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. But I didn't remember, like I said, all the little details and things. Did you remember how the episode starts off with Anakin and Ahsoka and their starfighters? I mean, we haven't even seen Anakin since he was effectively basically a background player in the Onderon arc. Yeah. So Anakin has been out of almost all of this season, almost all of season five. We've been Anakinless, and he and Ahsoka and their starfighters together once again. The dynamic duo escorting a package of dropships down to Kato Nemordia, which looks amazing, by the way. I watched that opening scene where they drop through the city or drop through the Kato Nemoidian, what do you even call that? Those loopy kind of rock formations. And then there's those rocky towers and the city slung on what appear to be massive hammocks suspended above that fog shrouded surface. And unfortunately, beautiful Kato Nemoidia has been invaded by separatists. And you know, any story which starts with starfighter action is already speaking my language. But before long, Anakin is dealing with a buzz droid issue, which leads to a pretty spectacular crash. And it's maybe not on the same level as seeing the Twilight spin itself to smithereens in the previous episode, but it's still a great thrilling action scene to kick off the episode and the arc. And man, is it just great to have Ahsoka and Anakin back on a mission together after what feels like forever, Robbie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, when you start off with a dramatic exit from a Venator class starship. And I mean, I was just like, oh God, okay, here we go. Uh, I got to get my notes ready because I'm sure there's going to be a favorite shot in here. I mean, it's just, it's such a lot. I mean, they're so cool. Very dynamic shots 
And then what I like about this, too, is the fact that we've got the buzz droids. Yeah. So it's not the first <laughs> yeah. time that Anakin's had to deal with them before. But I like that... Wait a minute. Is this not the first time in canon that he's had to deal with them? No, I'm talking about the first time it, that we've seen Anakin. I'm talking about in episode three. Sure. They deal with the buzz droids at the very beginning. And it doesn't sound like it's the first time he's dealt with them in the show either, because he says it's buzz droids. Yeah. And they are something that he's familiar with. But I don't think we've seen him have to deal with them yet, have we? No. I think the first time we see them is in the droids arc, right? Yes, right, right. But what's that's what I'm saying is that what I like about it is that in the timeline, this is his first time dealing with it. But we've already seen buzz droids on a starfighter before. We know what they can do. So they play with that a little bit and they show you a different way to do it. I mean, when yeah. when Anakin tilts over and there's 70 of them you know, on the bottom of his ship, it's it's so funny, but it's like you said it's creepy oh it's creepy isn't it and i love the dialogue between anakin and ahsoka it's just so great i mean it's it's just a really really fun way to start this off it's so satisfying when he belly crash lands and you know what that all those buzz droids they don't actually show them getting smashed but yeah it's so creepy the way that they're all infesting <laughs> the bottom of his ship i'm just getting to shiver up my spine just thinking about it but then of course in the blink of a gatekeeper droid's eye master yoda has cool anakin and ahsoka back to coruscant and now it's not a new war story as we thought it was going to be it's a new detective story or i should say as i thought it was going to be because you knew it was a detective story i thought we were going to get a war episode you know it's another battle episode but they flip-flopped on me it's a detective story now because we soon learn that there's been an explosion at the Jedi Temple and we also soon learn that Anakin and Ahsoka aren't the only detectives on the Jedi Temple case because in the wrecked hangar we meet Russo ISC, a crime scene analyzer for the Jedi, played by D. Bradley Baker, or voiced by D. Bradley Baker, and played by the animators, of course. And have we mentioned that we're big fans of D. Bradley Baker, Robbie? I think we mentioned that once or twice, have we? Oh, yeah. And I love his voice here. And how did you like meeting this Russo ISC again? Oh, yeah. I'm, I immediately recognized his voice, even though it's, I mean, it is different, but he's got a, I don't know, It's. I guess it's an, an enunciation that is sort of recognizable. So I knew it was him, and I was like, okay, well, it's almost like, you know, it's kind of like when you see a, a fun character actor in a movie, you know, that you really like, and you go, well, at least I don't have to worry about, you know, the rest of the movie might be in trouble, but at least he's got it, you know what I mean? Right. It's kind of that way when I heard D. Bradley Baker's voice come out of that droid, I was like, okay, well, at least that's going to be solid. But yeah, he's a very, I like how he's a very no-nonsense kind of character, and he kind of has his own way of doing things. And it's almost like uh, Anakin almost has to force him to, you know, let Ahsoka come along with him on his uh, investigation, which is, you know, and it made for a, a neat little uh, back and forth between them. Yeah, because I like that Russo gets his own way too. When Anakin suggests he's going to get some Jedi on the case to start interviewing people, Russo says, no, I've got a better idea. Let's use droids. And so Anakin goes along with his idea. So it's not like Anakin just steamrolls him and takes over, you know. Although Anakin exits the temple alone and that's where he finds there are protesters and it's the family and friends of the victims of the bombing raising their voices on the temple steps. And that's where we first meet Leda Termond, who is the wife of the lead suspect, Jakar Bomani. And when Anakin asks her whether she thinks her man could have been responsible for the bombing, Leda responds with what was, to me at the time, I mean, not knowing where it went, a surprisingly kind of moving scene, a really well-handled performance of desperation and fear and frustration. We find out later that it was all an act, but at that time, I was thinking, if this is an act, this is a really good act. 
from Carrie Walgreen, who plays Litter and the animation team. And it even hit me in the heart a little bit, I'm going to say. And I also like that, in addition to expanding what we might be thinking about this Jakab Omani character in that moment, it also expanded on the world building by letting us in on the idea that to work in the Jedi Temple, you have to pass very stringent background checks. She talks about how much her husband would work super hard on trying to qualify to be allowed to work in the Jedi Temple. And then in an even greater expansion of world building, we see that the Jedi Temple surveillance system includes this technology, which includes the ability to project a full-scale hologram of the incident. And then not only that, Robbie, we learned that nanodroids are a thing in Star Wars. So one, two, three, the world building is off the chain in this episode, Robbie. We learned so much about just Coruscant itself and the Jedi Temple and how it works. Yeah, it's some cool stuff. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, it's one thing to, to kind of, you know, show a reenactment, you know, kind of on a television screen or something, you know what I mean, like the, that the characters are looking at, but to see it in 3D around them and, and seeing them kind of manipulate it and try to figure things out, it's just a cool way to, to show that. I mean, to show their kind of thought process and, and what technology is available to them, it's just really, really neat. And then to have an anti-war protest in the Clone Wars is kind of, uh, even, even anti-Jedi. I mean, there's uh, it's like the the use of clones is something that is being talked about in the galaxy and debated. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just, it brings in a lot of questions and it's really, really neat. And then, like you said, the, I mean, their conversations with, with Leta and, and all, I mean, really, it really just reminds you of, like I said, like a CSI or, or something like that. I mean, it's a police procedural in Star Wars done really well, actually. And it makes it compelling and, and, and just kind of fun to watch. And I guess it's the fact that we're getting, even I mean, in season, at the end of season five, we're getting a new way of telling a Jedi story, which is just a lot of fun to see. Yeah, although I've got to say that the, pro- the protest scene kind of made me laugh ruefully because it was only maybe two episodes ago I was lamenting the fact that the story and i think it was shades of reason when the crowd of mandalorians turns from you know pacifist to being warmongers so fast and i said that you know it would have worked so much better if they had arrived and already been kind of protesting and satine was trying to calm them down you know and so here we see an actual protest i was thinking this see this is what i was talking about you can do this so i don't want to go back and uh, throw any more shade at shades of reason but i just had that thought in that moment but also Something I noticed at this point, it was only after the revelation that Jakar himself was the bomb that I noticed that his last name, Bomani, kind of sounds like bomb man. I mean, the biggest <laughs> yeah. clue was right there under our noses the whole time. Maybe the most on-the-nose name since Armageddon Die, Master Armageddon Die, all the way back in... <laughs> what was that, Robbie? That was... Uh, Supply lines. I mean, it was way back there. Which is, isn't actually way back in the release order because it's season three. But for us, it was episode four of the chronological order. And then, of course, the investigation leads Ahsoka and Anakin to Letta and Jakar's apartment. It's a pretty sad and rundown looking joint, similar to poor old Gregor's apartment that we saw a few episodes ago. And that leads to Ahsoka expressing some surprise that someone who works for the Jedi's can't afford a better home. Thought that was an interesting little comment that she made that sort of plays into how the episode continues to roll and then the jedis move through the apartment in the dark in a nicely tense slightly spooky search scene that was just really well done and that's when they discover that the nanodroids were in jackar's food and then of course our heroes get interrupted by letter coming home and that's when ahsoka tells letter that they believe someone set her husband up and quote made him the bomb and at that moment i was thinking Man, she took that pretty well. Yeah. Finding out that this bomb that has apparently killed a whole bunch of people, that her husband was the bomb. And so, yeah, man, she took that pretty well. 
but that becomes less surprising a few moments later when Leto makes a break for it and we realize yeah she has known more about it than she's been letting on and there's actually a really nice little fake out here because as they exit Leto's apartment and come down the steps the camera focuses on someone who's walking along the street someone with their face covered and who was on an intercept path with Leto around our heroes and in that moment I'm thinking we're seeing a hitman, and I'm bracing myself for a tragic end to Letter from a show which, again and again, has shown us that it doesn't shy away from stories which involve tragic ends for innocent characters. But of course, it's not an assassin, it's just some poor soul who Letter uses as a distraction so she can run. So I just like that I got faked out by that little piece of filmmaking, it was super effective on me. But that also means it's time for another chase scene through Coruscant, Robbie, and you know me, I'm always down for any kind of Coruscant chase scene. Oh yeah, I mean, it's... There's, there's so many elements that are really, really well done here. I mean, let me go back for a second and just talk about how I love the the way that the sort of the Coruscanti underground reminds me a lot of Blade Runner. Right, yeah. I mean, a lot. There's like a, almost like a derivative sort of Chinese lettering on the wall. There's some graffiti on the wall. You know, there's steam coming up from the ground. And even when they go inside, one of the things that I really liked is the very noir kind of elements to the design i mean anakin's searching around and you see the you know it's kind of a dimly lit room with the blinds kind of diffusing the light there and and you've got those shadows on the wall and it's just it's very noir very old school kind of detective kind of look and i just uh i just loved all that but then yeah that chasing it's a lot shorter than i guess i uh, i wouldn't say expected i guess it just felt very short, very truncated, almost like it, it did go on for longer and then they kind of cut it down. But I enjoy seeing all of these kind of elements that they're able to throw in there that are just fun. And it's like it's almost like I want to go back and watch that to see some of the details that I missed. Yeah, it's like the first part of the episode when they're on Kano Namoria. There's so much detail in each shot and it's the same at the end here when they're in the city. I mean, anytime they're in the croissant, sort of underground in the croissant streets, I love it. I love seeing those little details and even the apartment just is i don't know (laughs) i've said it a million times i like seeing how the regular people live even when it's a dingy apartment like this there's something just fascinating about it i guess but then the strangest thing happens when letter accuses anakin of trying to pin the murder of her husband on her anakin tells her nobody ever said he was dead and in that moment i'm thinking i mean maybe not in so many words sky guy but your young pal snips did tell her that her husband had been made into the bomb that had killed several people who were nearby when it exploded so you know it's probably not too hard for her to deduce that her husband the bomb was dead <laughs> was that an unreasonable response on my part robbie no and it's that's one of the things that i felt was super unclear to myself as well because i mean like i said i don't remember every detail and this was probably one of those episodes that i watched i enjoyed it and then i moved on to the next one and quickly forgot about it so for me it's like I almost feel like that was very unclear as to why that was a surprise yeah. to anyone. I mean, it's the old gotcha moment that so many detective stories have where the guilty person unwittingly spouts a piece of information that only a guilty person would know and that's when the detective is all gotcha you know it's just a classic moment in any detective story but the one in this one just wasn't very elegantly handled you know the way the information puts passed out yeah if he was fed the nanodroids that supposedly exploded into the bomb or that he was the bomb how would you not assume that he's dead yeah I just felt like it just didn't work. So it's kind of like, meh. 
the one thing that I will say though is that I do like I guess maybe this is a fault of this kind of storytelling is that it always seems like in every CSI episode, NCIS, whatever, the bad guy gets caught and immediately cops to it and starts telling, right, just spouting out all, all this stuff. You know what I mean? It almost felt like an homage to that in a way. It was almost like, yeah, I hate that when they do that in those other shows too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. So it's a strange thing. It's almost like you can commend them on doing well with that kind of storytelling but you can also say you know this was a chance to do something different you know and do it better it just feels like a missed opportunity there well speaking of missed opportunities right no i can't that's not a segue i can't segue there let's just say <laughs> what i was gonna my next note is that between mace's words about how the war is becoming less and less popular and the protests on the street and the revelation that the jedi temple staff are paid poorly the episode really paints a picture showing that some people are disillusioned with the Jedi and at the end of it, we get a small scene with Ahsoka telling Anakin that if this bombing had been the work of another Krell or another Dooku then she wouldn't have known how to feel about it and all through the series we've seen these little moments of Ahsoka kind of side-eyeing Jedi practices like when Obi-Wan and Mason Anakin triple team Jedi mind trick tortured Cad Bane for example that's one that always comes back to me but then Anakin who will go on to become a much greater menace than either Dooku or Krell assures her that as long as the vast majority of Jedis are doing good in the galaxy everything's gonna be alright and when he says that he sounds like he believes 100% that he is that guy him and the other good guys which is pretty much all the Jedi as long as they are doing their thing everything's gonna be fine so I enjoyed that we get another look at Ahsoka kind of questioning what the Jedi are up to and how the Jedi roll yep and that's uh well, that's important. <laughs> How is it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, this is a nice setup for this arc because this is a thing that, you know, you, you, uh, in fact, that there's a, there's actually a note that I need to make. Now, I won't even say anything. I'm just going to, I'm just going <laughs> to say that, that, uh, yeah, this, it's a good setup for this arc. I'll just say that. Sure. And it's not just the Ahsoka thing, of course, it's that the world, it's getting to see that the world, or at least Coruscant, is not necessarily in love with the Jedi. They don't all think the Jedi are a great thing, you know, and it's there are suggestions that the Jedi are exploiting regular people, you know. So mm -hmm. one of the things that has always been part of the Clone Wars and has been part of the prequel trilogy, or the prequel era, maybe I should say, of which the Clone Wars is a part, is that the Jedi fail. And so we get to see these reasons why the Jedi failed. And this is maybe one more of those reasons. But speaking of things that don't fail, Robbie, let's talk about what was your standout shot of sabotage well i mean i, I almost want to give it to some of those noir type shots that are in uh, in the apartment there but i have to give it to the beginning man i love that launch from the venator i just love that it's very dramatic i love the camera spinning along with them i just love that kind of stuff i love headhunters too the z95s make another appearance yeah. i love those i mean come on i mean that was my note was come on start with a launch from the venator class it's i love it i i just love that so that's that's my shot of the episode yeah my shot of the episode comes from that early scene on kato namoria as well Robbie. it's when they crash on kato namoria 
and Ahsoka cuts the unconscious Anakin out of his ship with a lightsaber and then drags him out and they drop on the ground. But we see Anakin's ship, which still has Atu in it, careen off the edge of the cliff. And then when Ahsoka recovers from her dive roll, bailout, maneuver thing, whatever whatever you want to call that with Anakin's unconscious body, I don't think that's a maneuver that's in the textbook. I think she just makes it up. But luckily it works and Anakin's fine. But she looks up and she sees the trail of smoke from the ship leading off into the fog which blankets the forest below which is just a, a beautiful shot and we see Ahsoka witness the explosion like you just see the glow sort of flash through the clouds you don't see the fire you just see a flash through the clouds almost like lightning you know but it's from the ground and it's orange because it's the ship exploding and then we hear Ahsoka call out Atu and we think Atu's dead but he's not but then Atu <laughs> flies up on his rockets Robbie R2 was alright after all and Ahsoka was so relieved and I don't mind telling you I was super relieved too Robbie because I was so upset when I thought that R2 had gone down in the bush with the ship and exploded because I love R2 and I didn't want him to be dead (laughs) although to be fair even before he rocketed up I did remember that recent episode where R2 blew up a Star Destroyer while he was inside it in one of the most gigantic explosions in Star Wars history and R2 survived that so I'm pretty sure it's actually canon that R2 was actually indestructible but obviously I'm goofing a little bit on this moment I actually Loved it. I liked it as a comedic moment. I loved R2 doing his little... <laughs> he's that yeah. laugh that he does, that chirp. And my actual shot of the episode was that one I was talking about where the flash of the explosion comes up through the fog. It's just... Katanamoria is a beautiful place. Yeah. And that was a sweet little moment showing it off. And before we bring this one in for a landing, Robbie, a crash landing maybe, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your most recent watch of Sabotage, how did you like it? Where does Sabotage sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, I really enjoyed this episode from a sort of an homage to police procedurals to, you know, the great exchange between Anakin and Ahsoka at the beginning. You know, it's just a lot of fun, but it's a little uneven. There's some problems that I have with it, but I also think that it's definitely necessary watching, especially for the future episodes. So I'm going to give this a three out of four. Yep, I've got it at 7 nanodroids out of 10, Robbie, which we've pretty much established as the same as a 3 out of 4 on your scale. Maybe not mathematically, but... Pretty close. The way that our, our weird... I mean, my weird scale maps onto your weird scale. Yeah. <laughs> They're not that weird, Robbie. They're just good scales. Why am I hacking on our own scales? I don't know. Both of our scales are great. <laughs> I mean, I've, I know all about your 4-star Robbie scale from listening to you for a million years. And I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Isn't it basically a tribute to Roger Ebert? Oh, for sure. Yeah. To me, it's how I rate movies. The 10-point scale has always been something that's. it seems like... Uh, it's for simple-minded people. Well, it's Yeah, m- like me, basically. Oh. <laughs> and I agree with you. I actually like that four-star scale, and I, you know I was an Ebert fan as well. But I, don't just, I just realized maybe we haven't ever explained that, you know, that it's from an, it's a Roger Ebert I thing. think we have. I think we have touched on it but in the past. But, you know, it works. Well, for any new listeners who are maybe a bit young to have followed Ebert back in the day, that's where Robbie's four-star scale comes from. And that is mission accomplished for Season 5, Episode 17, Sabotage. So, Robbie, won't you please let the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Of course. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 106th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 5, Episode 18, The Jedi Who Knew Too Much. So it seems like we might be getting a few more tributes to other movies, and I'm all for it. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. 
Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Pucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Pucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.